What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to this installment of Opposition Territory here at the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show, the longest-running weekly Philly sports podcast show in the world. Keeping strong here with our Opposition Territory shows, we have one of the Philadelphia Eagles' division rivals this week that we're going to be diving into. Yes, the New York Giants expectations for this team moving forward here in 2021. We got a great discussion coming your way, so let's get to it. And it is great to have back on the show. She is the editor at GiantsCountry.com. You can also hear her voice on the Locked on Giants podcast. I listen on Apple Podcasts. You should as well to get a taste of what this New York Giants team is going to be giving us this coming season and uh, what they're going to be giving the Philadelphia Eagles this season. So it is great to have on the show Patricia Traina. Patricia, man, thank you so much for joining me this week on Opposition Territory. Oh, my pleasure. And now, did you know, I'm also on YouTube with the Locked on Giants podcast. There so you go. Everybody gets to see my face. Yay. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. There we go. Well, uh, Patricia, it's great to have you on. Wanted to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles rivals in the New York Giants. And I, I guess I, we got to start off by talking about the quarterback position. That's how I like to start off our opposition territory shows, as it is anyway, looking at these NFL teams. And specifically with Daniel Jones, I mean, he really needs to show some development this year for Giants fans and, of course, the front office there as well. Many of us are thinking that, you know, this is a make-or-break year for him. I mean, it's what the pundits are saying. What are your thoughts on Daniel Jones, where his development is, and where it needs to go in the future this season? Yeah, so Daniel Jones is entering his third season. Uh, Second one in the same offense. I think that's the first time since he's been a Duke that he's been in the same offensive system since... uh, you know, it's in the last several years. Right. So the Giants are making or expecting him to take a significant leap forward this year. They feel that because he had the spring football, which he didn't have a year ago, he had to kind of learn the offense on the fly. And, you know, you can learn the basics of how to do something, but until you actually do it, you're not going to know how good you are at it. So they feel that now that he's had an opportunity to really absorb that playbook, really practice it and going back to the spring and uh, step into the summer now with, with the improve an improved cast of characters, some of whom he hasn't had a chance to work with yet, which I'm yeah. sure we'll get to in a moment, but yeah. um, they feel he's, he's going to make that leap forward. Now, a couple of things that were bugaboos for him, if you will, um, in the past were decision-making, you know, he would stand there and hold the ball and, and, and just, you know, not really make a fast decision. And as a result, he was late with a throw pocket management was tough. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So that was one of the the problems he he's had the last couple of years. The other one he's had obviously is the ball security one. Both of those from what I have seen in practice have gotten better. So 
Jones has not played in a preseason game yet. Right. He will be playing in one uh, this weekend when the Giants host the Patriots. But those are the two areas that I know I was looking for him to really step up in. And head coach Joe Judge, in speaking with us yesterday, said that he was very confident. Um, he, he has seen improvement in Daniel Jones pre-snap and post-snap. And just every opportunity he gets, he heaps all kinds of a praise on this young man. So the optimism is running high for Daniel Jones. All right. Uh, well, I mean, when I look at this Giants offense, Patricia, it seems to me that Saquon Barkley is, well, he may have to shoulder the burden of a lot of productivity coming off that injury with his ACL. Is this your thought as well? And if so, can and should Saquon really be expected to shoulder much of that burden? And I, I guess another aspect of this is, can, can they find more balance offensively this year, not putting everything on Saquon Barkley? Well, I don't think Saquon is going to be the offense. I mean, okay. and by that, I mean, if you go back a, a few years ago when the Giants had Odell Beckham Jr., everybody knew that he was the offense. He right. was the guy. <laughs> right. I don't think we're going to see that kind of situation with Saquon because the Giants added playmakers. They added Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney. Um, they have uh, Kyle Rudolph. Um, and then they have guys returning, say, uh, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton. So there's going to be plenty of touches and, and balls to go around to everybody to where it doesn't have to fall on one guy's shoulder. And quite frankly, Saquon Barkley coming back, at least in the beginning, I don't expect him to have a full load anyway. Okay. You know, they, they've been very deliberate with how they've um, incorporated him back into football activities. I don't anticipate, you know, week one, if Saquon Barkley is ready, that he's going to get, um, 85% of the snaps. I right. don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to gradually build them up and they're going to spread that ball around because they don't want to be predictable. They don't want defenses to say, oh, you know, if we cover Barkley, we got it made. Right. They want to spread it around and play matchup football. So that's what I think you're going to see on offense. I think that's what they have to do, quite frankly. Distribute the ball appropriately to various weapons throughout the uh, Giants offense here. And you did mention the addition of Kyle Rudolph. I wasn't necessarily going to ask you about that, but I'm wondering, is that an indication of where Evan Ingram is within his career at this point? I don't think so. Okay. I think I, I think with Kyle Rudolph, a couple of things with him. Number one, excellent red zone uh, target. I think he, I don't know what the numbers are, but I know he's been very successful in the it's red up zone. There. Yeah. But more importantly, Kyle Rudolph can do things that last year, I think the Giants tried to get Evan Ingram to do that he didn't do very well. For example, those short Y stick option routes, not a strength of Evan Ingram's. Right. Asking Evan Ingram to block a guy who's 30 to 40 pounds heavier than him. Not a good idea. You know, Evan Ingram is at his best when you send him up the seam, away from the play, let him catch the ball in stride. That's where he can really do damage. Put him against a linebacker or a smaller defensive end. I'm sorry, a smaller defensive back. And you're going to get a matchup that's going to favor your side of the ball. And, and that's what the Giants got to get back to with him. All right. Uh, again, talking to Patricia Trina from GiantsCountry.com, also the Locked on Giants podcast. Again, I listen on Apple Podcasts. You can also uh, find her, what she's doing over on YouTube as well, at Patricia underscore Trina on Twitter. She's a great, great follow. 
And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is I read your material uh, every now and again, Patricia. And back in May, you uh, uh, you wrote a really good article on the Giants' offensive line. Now, as we know, pro football focus, and, and people have their arguments pro and con about pro football focus, but be that as it may, they ranked the Giants' offensive line 31st last season. They weren't very good. I mean, we all kind of saw it. The eye test told us <laughs> they really weren't all that great. And the team really didn't bolster this unit too, too much during the off season. So again, back in May, you wrote that great article um, that the Giants were really banking on their new assistants to help get them to the next level in terms of where this offensive line can go. So from what you've seen thus far here in camp during the preseason, do you do you think this was the best strategy? Well, I mean, time will tell, to be honest with you, because, you know, we've seen some snaps from this, the starting unit. They've also had some injuries. Shane Lemieux missed yeah. a handful of practices. So we haven't really seen enough of a sample size. That said, one of the things you got to remember with this offensive line is, again, no spring football last year, new coaching staff. And then the, the unit itself had, what, uh, four guys that were brand new to yeah. their respective positions. And yeah. I'm counting Nick Gates, who even though he was a veteran, was, was playing center for the first time. Then you throw on top of that the change in the position coaches and two very different position coaches with different philosophies. And, you know, they were basically, I don't want to say set up to fail, but that's basically the, the circumstances were against them. Right. That said, Joe Judge this past offseason tried to settle that part down. So he hired Rob Sale to be the main offensive line coach. He's going to work with Ben Wilkerson, a former NFL offensive lineman who has been the team's longtime assistant offensive line coach. They brought back Pat Flaherty, who coached the Giants offensive line under Tom Coughlin, including that great unit from 2007 to 2010. So they have devoted a lot of resources in an effort to settle that group down. You know, Freddie Kitchens was moved from tight ends coach to offensive assistant. So I'm sure he's getting involved with that. Jason Garrett's been getting involved with that. They have a lot of resources and they believe that, okay, last year, these guys were brand new to the job at the NFL level with experience. They're going to be better. Right. And, you know, the first team offensive line did play in the first preseason game, got off to a little bit of a shaky start, but, you know, overall, not horrible. Um, we didn't see the first team offensive line last week against Cleveland, but the feeling amongst the coaches that I get is that the offensive line is going in the right direction, maybe not going as quickly as they'd like it to, but they are headed in the right direction. It's like anything else, you know, yeah. a, a person, you hire a person to, to a job and there's going to be a learning curve. And then the hope is that person gets better with years. So that's what the Giants are banking on. And I think it's important to note, it's something I've been saying on this podcast for my gosh, years and years at this point, if you don't have a solid offensive line, you're not going to have this a, a solid offense in general. Yeah. And I think what happens with the offensive line this year is going to translate into whether or not Daniel Jones is going to be a productive quarterback for this team. I mean, you cannot have one without the other, correct? Absolutely. I mean, if you can have you can have Pat Mahomes or Tom Brady back there, but if they don't have time to do anything, <laughs> what's the what's the point? We saw Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl with a decimated offensive line, and we saw how right. that happened. We saw, yes, we saw and we know how that. that worked out, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, I, I wanted to move on to the Giants' defense with you, Patricia. Uh, again, going back to pro football focus, they ranked uh, the Giants' defense and the secondary in particular as one of the best secondaries 
in the NFL just a few weeks ago. Seventh overall. As an Eagles fan, I do worry about this. I really do because this Giants safety group in particular is very, very versatile from what we've seen thus far, what's on paper as well. Then again, we just know that there are certain weaknesses on the Giants defense as well that Patrick Graham is really going to have to develop over the course of this year. So I guess a two-part question for you concerning the Giants defense, what would be the least of your concerns here on the defense? I think I might know what the answer is, but what is your biggest concern as well? Least concern is the defensive secondary. If everybody's healthy, <laughs> right? If everybody's healthy, you're going to see that unit play more man coverage, which is what you need to do to to win in the NFL. Yep. And they've got such versatility back there. I mean, if if I'm Patrick Grant, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm just lying <laughs> awake and I've got a grin from ear to ear right. about all the ways I'm going to torture the Eagles and oh, the Cowboys and yeah. the Washington football team <laughs> right. and everybody else on the schedule. Right. Um, so yeah, that would be the, the, the least concern. The biggest concern right now is we're still not quite sure what they have with the pass rush. Now they added a bunch of guys in the offseason. They drafted Aziz Ojulari, who I think is going to be a good one for them. My guess is, is that Ojulari and Lorenzo Carter, who last year started to show that he was putting it all together before he suffered the Achilles injury, I think those are going to be your starters. Now, um, behind them, my guess would be uh, O'Shane Zimenez will be like a, a spot pass rusher. Um, they also, they drafted this kid, Ellerson Smith, but unfortunately he hasn't been able to get on the field due to a hamstring injury. And I would not be surprised if he starts the year on IR, given how much time he's missed, but do they have the pass rush? I mean, they show signs of having it, but it's got to be consistent. And I don't need to tell you, you know, you go back and you look at the giants, 2007 and 2011 super bowl championship teams. And what did both of them have in common? They both had a deep pass rush right. rotation yep. and a good pass rush rotation of at least three guys. You know, the seven team had Strahan, Tuck, and Umanura, and, and the um, Ooh, the eleven dominant. team had JPP. Yeah. Uh, they had JPP, Umanura, and Tuck. Right. All right. So if you don't have at least three good pass rushers chances are you're not going to be very, very good in that area. Right, exactly. It's going to be real interesting to see how this defensive line for the Giants manifests itself this coming season. Really, a lot of question marks. And uh, moving on, really just wanted to talk about Joe Judge more. You know, His first season as a head coach last year was pretty much a tale of two halves. The team lost seven of their first eight games before winning five of their last eight, including uh, a victory against the Seattle Seahawks, which was an impressive victory. So, Patricia, I'm wondering, what kind of mark do you think Joe Judge is going to leave on this team and organization this coming season? The goals, where he wants to, of course, get this team, not being second again in the division, but where is he going to leave that mark this year? Well, I mean, the thing I like about Joe Judge is, you know, a lot of times you get a new head coach that comes in and he talks up a pretty game. Oh, we're going to win. We're going right. to restore pride. We're <laughs> going to do this. We're going to do that. And a lot of them don't really have a plan or a vision on how to accomplish it. Joe Judge has proven that not only can he talk a good game, but he has a plan to get there. Now, along the way, there are curveballs, obviously. Um, things happen that you don't expect. Injuries, but, yeah. Yep. Right. <clears throat> but um, he has actually done a good job with uh, w- with adjusting on the fly. You know, last year it w- was as challenging of a year as anybody 
went through with, with the pandemic and everything, especially for a first year head coach. But Judge has a very good pedigree, you know, having learned from Saban, having learned from Belichick and just coming in here and just knowing what he wants, what kind of culture he wants and how he's going to get there. And the, I think the thing that doesn't get talked about a lot that I really like and I'm sure the players appreciate is that Judge, you know, he treats them like men. You know, people yeah. from the outside look at, oh, look at him making them run penalty laps or, or doing this or, do, you know, this, this <laughs> stupid stuff. Right. Judge explains to these guys, look, this is why I'm asking you to do what I'm asking you to do. He doesn't just say, you know, sit in his corner office with his feet up on his on, on his desk and a newspaper in his hand and just say, OK, this is how it's going to be. And, and that's it. Case close and the discussion. He goes down there and he explains to these guys this. He says, this is what we're going to do, and this is why we're going to do it. And above all, he will also put himself in the mix. So, for example, if he screws up, he'll take a penalty lap. Right. All right. right. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 it's not do as I say and, and not as I do. It's it judges is he considers himself as he should part of that team. I, and, you know, it, it's just a really good atmosphere, you know, because it, it, it holds everybody accountable and um, there's respect in that locker room. And I, I think that's been missing in the last few locker rooms prior to Judge's arrival. I, I think at times in the NFL, Patricia, it's missing with certain teams because I think what we've been seeing over the past few years is the the culmination in a different direction and path with some teams and specifically head coaches, whether it's Joe Judge in New York, Nick Sirianni with the Philadelphia Eagles, Kyle Shanahan out in uh, uh, San Francisco, a younger crop of coaching that actually has a different mentality on how to coach and to be uh, successful with a new type of philosophy. I think we're seeing that a little bit more in the NFL. You, any, I don't want to say anybody can be a head coach. It takes there's only a certain amount of positions available. Right. But you have these days, you have to be part teacher. You have to be part psychologist, part motivator. Yeah. I mean, you have to wear a lot of hats if you think about it. Absolutely, you have to. All right, well. Final exercise here I'd like to get into with you, Patricia. We'd like to do this with all of our guests here on our Opposition Territory shows. I'm going to give you a category, and then I'd like for you to name the player that really comes to mind as you think of this coming season and a brief reasoning as to why you're thinking of that player. So first and foremost, I'd like to start off every week, the comeback kid. Who is going to be the comeback kid for the New York Giants this year? Saquon. Do I need to explain that one? Boy, I was ho- I was hoping you would say that. Listen, I'm a Penn State alum, and it kills me <laughs> being an Eagles fan that my boy Saquon is in the blue and red. Uh, but yes, I think he's going to be the comeback kid. He's probably going to win comeback player of the year, quite frankly, and uh, I'm going to be rooting for him. Yes, folks, I said that. I'm going to be rooting for Saquon Barkley this year. Come at me if you want. Okay, who needs Turn to... Turn in your Eagles membership card. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Who needs to rebound this year? That's the next category. Needs to rebound for the New York Giants. Evan Ingram. Ah, he that, had a pro, yeah. pro Bowl year last year, but I think he led t- or was tied for the lead in tight amongst tight ends with drops. And just, you know, this is a tough one for me because Evan... I don't believe Evan was put in the best position. I think like like we talked about earlier, he wasn't, you know, he was asked to do things that maybe weren't a good fit for him. Right. So I, I kind of feel bad to put him in this category. But that said, 
you're in the NFL and, you know, you're expected to catch balls. There's no excuse for drop passes. Right. So uh, I'm going to give Evan that nod. Okay, sounds good. Next category, the rising star of the New York Giants this year. Who's that going to be? I am going to say Aziz Ojulari. He's a rookie, but, you know, we talked about the importance of the pass rush. Um, The thing you want with your pass rushers also is you want them to be solid against the run. And I've seen Ojulari in practice be solid against the run. So I think this kid can be an every down player for them. Um, as opposed to just the pass rushing specialist. So I'm going to give him the nod there. All right. Sounds good. Couple more. Next one is under the radar. Who's the under the radar player you think is going to be uh, for the New York Giants this year? I got to go with my man, Sexy Dexy. Dexter Lawrence, <laughs> yes. man. That's his nickname, by the way. Yes. Not my nickname for him. That's his, he, he loves that nickname. <laughs> so, I would love yeah, that Dexter nickname. Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, uh, defensive lineman. This is a guy who who doesn't get a lot of you know love doesn't get a That's lot true. of mention but my yep. goodness he he's he's a force on that defensive line and you know I, I think a, a close second if I can add a close second would be sure. James Bradbury who you know I think he's one of the best cornerbacks the Giants have had and he's he's a guy who kind of flies under the radar a little bit maybe not so much as as Dexter Lawrence but uh, those would be my guys for for that pick all right sounds good and last but not least the dark horse MVP Ooh. who's the dark horse MVP going to be for the New York Giants this year I gotta admit I struggled with this one <laughs> um this 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 one was really really tough I've got to go with the defensive side of the ball. And, I, you know, I don't know if I could pick one. Okay. Um, could I go with the – I'll say Dark Horse, maybe Xavier McKinney because of his versatility. Okay. I think that makes um, sense. I would, yeah. With, yeah. I would go with him. I'm just trying to think um, – Logan Ryan, I would give not just because of his versatility, but because of the off field, you know, the, the leadership he provides, which, you know, you can't discount. Right, right. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else. I think those are good candidates. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> they know, really are. You know, you could also you could you could go the easy route and say Leonard Williams or Saquon or, or you know, but I, I'm trying to mix it up and give you different names. So yeah, I don't know if they're that, yeah, I don't know if they're necessarily dark horse type of. MVPs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't I didn't want to go too obvious. There, So those would be my picks. All right. Sounds good. Again, Patricia Trina, GiantsCountry.com. You can also listen to her in the Locked on Giants podcast, and you can check out everything she's doing over on YouTube as well. Uh, At Patricia underscore Trina. It was great talking to you, Patricia. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us this week, and I hope to have you back on down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. There's certainly a lot of pressure on Joe Judge this year to get this team to the next level. There's a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones as well. We talked about the defensive line. Lots of pressure on them too as they're going to be competing with defensive lines like the Washington football team who have been uh, pretty good (laughs) over the course of the past couple seasons. This NFC East is going to be real interesting to watch. From a developmental standpoint, as one of the worst divisions last year, how can this uh, division itself just continue to develop? What are we going to see? It's going to be real interesting to watch for sure. Again, it was great talking to Patricia at Patricia underscore Trainer. Follow her on Twitter. She was a great follow. If you're new to the show here, you can follow us at Philadelphia PST. That's where you can follow the show. I'm uh, Jeff Warren again at Jeffrey underscore Warren. 
follow me. You can follow uh, the Philadelphia Sports Table out there. I'm not going to go through everything. Just uh, you know, search us out on social media and stuff like that. You'll find us out there. So we got a great show coming to you this coming week where uh, we've got a lot of NFL rookie talk that we're going to be getting into with our good friend Matt Waldman from the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Nice enough to join us. That's what's going to be happening this week on our podcast show as this NFL season is almost upon us here, this this regular season. So it's really exciting, and uh, I think that's going to do it for us, everybody. Yeah, so take care, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.